I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Kathy Laborde, President and CEO of Gulf Coast Housing Partnership. Last month, the nonprofit real estate development company helped break ground on an $80 million new construction, affordable housing, and healthcare development planned for Central City. Today, Labor will talk about her vision for the project, other area investments, and her hopes for the city's future. Kathy Labor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay, to start off, can you explain what is Gulf Coast Housing Partnership? What does it do? When was it formed and why? The Gulf Coast Housing Partnership is a real estate developer. We were formed after Katrina, and we are a nonprofit corporation that operates across the Gulf South region. We're a developer and we're a property manager. We're also a, what is called a CDE, a community development entity. Um, we do predominantly affordable housing, uh, rental housing. Uh, we also do some commercial ventures that complement the housing once it's complete. And then on the property management side, we manage both our own units predominantly and third-party units. And right now we are working on, we have assets in Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. What are the most notable or visible New Orleans projects? Gosh, we have a handful in New Orleans. Uh, Muses would be one of the first transactions we completed. Uh, all the investment that you see on Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard, the bulk of it was sparked by the investments that GCHP led. Um, Bone Ford, which now houses Odyssey House, that's our venture. Um, we are now, frankly, um, renovating Odyssey House's main mid-city campus, a very historic uh, structures that we're renovating in phases. We have Crescent, Sa Crescent um, Care on Elysian Fields, which we help them amalgamate several disparate campuses onto one site. We've done housing with them uh, just a block away from where they are. Um, we have other housing ventures. We have, gosh, King Rampart, which is behind the Nora building, the New the Orleans Redevelopment Authority on the Boulevard. Uh, that is uh, one of the ventures that we did. The Mission Redevelopment um, on O.C. Haley. That was also um, a transaction. We partnered with uh, New Orleans Mission on that. I'm sure I left out a few, but that just gives you some high points. Right. And all of that's been since Katrina. Yes, sir. Amazing. Can you share just a couple of metrics, say number of employees or square footage developed? In terms of um, number of employees, um, you know, so we started January of 2006 is when we incorporated and we had one person. And we now have about 85. Okay. And so we've grown considerably. We've finished about, um, either we have under construction or we preserve, meaning what assets that were already completed that we renovated, but in total, we're just under 4,000 units. We manage about 1,800. Um, what else can I tell you? That's, I guess that's about us in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, so how do the deals that you put together different from a traditional real estate deal that's not in the nonprofit world? Where does the money come from that's different from a traditional deal? 
Right. Well, I wouldn't make the distinction being nonprofit or for-profit. Okay. okay. I'd make the distinction um, affordable housing versus market rate housing because gotcha. there are many for-profit developers that build affordable housing. Okay. And so I think it's really about the focus of our work. And the distinction that I would make is the transactions that we do, we're very much a partnering organization. So it's not only the dreams that we have that GCHP may have, um, it is also the dreams of others. So typically a partner organization is going to bring to us what they'd like to do and that have, they haven't been able to accomplish. And so that is really, I would say, um, what is unique about GCHP. We're willing to partner. Um, most of these transactions that are brought to us are difficult because they're expensive. And because they're expensive, uh, and it's affordable housing. There are limited sources that we can run to, okay, to fill the gap between what it costs to construct and what the end users, and the end users here are renters, okay, what they call it the collection of rents they can pay only supports so much conventional debt. And so that conventional debt then becomes one of the very many building blocks um, to, that it takes to what we call a capital stack, to put together the capital stack. So again, I wouldn't distinguish nonprofit or for-profit. I would say what distinguishes GCHP is it's very much a, it's very much, very much has a strong commitment to partnerships. And it's not just um, lip service. We uh, frankly added it up this morning over our history since 2006, our partners have earned $10 million, over $10 million in terms of shared fees um, through the ventures that we've undertaken with them. So how do you make up that gap? That's a good question. And frankly, that is uh, one of the reasons and I'll get to it about H3C. The gap typically in our region is going to be funded through federal dollars. And these are federal dollars that are coming into the states that I mentioned earlier. They come, actually come into all states. And then they're uh, placed with our state agencies and the state agencies distribute those funds competitively. So whether you're for-profit or non-profit, we are all running to the same agencies to get a share of those federal dollars. There's very limited housing dollars that are provided by the state or the localities. Um, whether it's in this state or the other states we're operating in. And so then if there's gaps, you have to make that up by going out of market, meaning we have to go to um, third-party foundations, foundations that are not here, or we go to Federal Home Loan Bank and compete for grants. Uh, we will do anything. We'll we use a lot of tax credits. So we're looking for ventures and we'll compete for low-income housing tax credits, historic tax credits, and market tax credits. Uh, and in fact, uh, GCHP actually gets its own, or competes for, and has been successful in winning some allocations so that we can support our own ventures as well as third-party ventures. So it is a struggle for anybody that is trying to do this work in this region, uh, regardless of your corporate status. Yet you've done so many projects in the last, you know, 17 years. It's, it's, is that your area of expertise, basically put, figuring out how to, 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 to fill that gap? I, I just think we're persistent and we know what it takes. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> you can say we're a bit crazy for doing it or not, <laughs> but we um, just hang in there. Okay. And the, the word it, the work is tough because it takes a long time to raise the money. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes you win $1 and then so much time goes by, you lose it. So it is a bit of a um, gamble, 
but uh, we're very committed to what we do. And we think it's very important, particularly in the neighborhoods that we're working in, that what has preceded our arrival typically is many planning exercises that have been done, right? To get people at the table to talk about uh, what could make this neighborhood or this community better. You know, what kind of investments can we make? And then quite unfortunately, many of those plans don't get implemented for, for many, many reasons, okay? And so we don't come in to create a new plan. We come in to read the plans that have been written and talk to the people that um, participated in those planning efforts. And then we try to implement a project that's consistent with that plan. And so we really all are about implementation. We think it is just so important for people to see change. Seeing change, positive change brings hope, okay? And uh, bringing hope and positive change in these communities is just very important to us. Well, you've led me right to Aretha Castle Haley. Uh, so a lot of the investment that you've been responsible for over the last decade and a half has been in that neck of the woods. Can you talk a little bit about the, the history of that commercial corridor? Uh, you know, wh where has it been? And then we can talk about where, you know, where it might be going. Well, I can tell you where it was when I first came here, which was a uh, predated uh, Katrina. Um, and long story short, I was previously a banker. And when I left the bank, I, which was at the time Bank One, previously First Commerce, I ran what is called a community development corporation, and we had an inventory of undeveloped buildings in Central City, which I purchased, and then came to Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard and planted my flag. Fast forward Katrina, and of course, um, if you were here, you may remember that there were many, many um, people and organizations throughout the world that came to this area to help us. And through that, um, call that, learning or those learnings, I was introduced to some folks who really were committed to uh, provide um, affordable housing units on the ground here in the region. Long story short, um, I committed to work, and this was Housing Partnership Network, was the original sponsor there, Boston-based company. Um, we negotiated what GCHP uh, could be, and uh, when we had agreement, I agreed to, to run it. And we all agreed that the best place for us to start was where I was already sitting, which was Aretha Castle Haley Boulevard. And so that's what we did. And so long story short, you know, we um, frankly just tackled ventures uh, fully supported by our board of directors um, that would incent, call it imagination, and other investments on the boulevard um, and provide by bringing in partners to the deals that we do, some wealth building opportunities for these organizations um, that partnered with us on the transactions. So fast forward, I think the proof's in the pudding. Uh, H3C is extremely important to us and to our partner Alembic, as well as folks in the neighborhood, because we just need to simply get some more people on the boulevard to support the many commercial investments that have been made. And so that is, uh, kind of uh, long story short, but that's where we are. H3C is an $80 million venture, and GCHP is other ventures uh, in this corridor. I think total about 150 million, so you know we should be at over the $200 million mark uh, on the boulevard in terms of the uh, GCHP-led um, investments. So when I talked to Jonathan over at Alembic, uh, one of the things he mentioned was that um, the, the foot traffic was was an appealing part of this project where you, you've got lots of development up and down that street, but you want to get more people. 
That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And with the 190 units on site, uh, with the other work that's happening on the remainder of the uh, former Browns Dairy site, uh, we believe we're doing exactly what the boulevard needs. Great. Now, so um, let's talk about H3C and some of the innovations that are built in. So obviously there's the, the, the important one where it's the combination of, of, of healthcare and housing and then the unique way the deal came together. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, GCHP, and I'll give you just a few minutes of background. Uh, we have historically been in the call up and partnering with healthcare providers. Initially, our work was really about you know, getting tenants into units. And we partnered with both Odyssey House and Crescent Care locally to do that. You know, so they had targeted populations they wanted to serve. So we created housing in partnership with them. Fast forward then, um, they had their own campus constraints, right? And so they had viewed us as a go-to partner and we helped them on their campuses, as I explained earlier, both uh, Crescent Care and Odyssey House and the work we're doing. The more we got involved with this, coincidentally throughout the nation, you know, there are many, many people have made the connection between healthcare and housing, okay? That the better quality housing platform you can provide, um, the better the healthcare outcome. And so, <clears throat> frankly, um, the light bulb went off. I was touring around Jackson, Mississippi with some folks and realized that GCHP could use our housing, our housing sites possibly as platforms to um, provide a, call it a platform of healthcare to sit next to the housing and then by partnering with managed care organizations, and these are health insurers that win state contracts to serve targeted populations, we could begin to, with their help and engaging public health experts, quantify the healthcare outcomes related to folks that are either coming to the site because the clinic is there, or they're living on site and they are going directly to the clinic and those outcomes can be captured. Long story short, Rich, what we'd like to have happen is we hope that those results will indicate that yes, housing does, better housing does result in lower healthcare costs. We believe if that's the case, then we have a stronger case with the healthcare industry and the insurers that should be more incented to invest in affordable housing because it helps them reduce the overall healthcare cost. That's the big ambition, that this um, will result in additional funding for affordable housing throughout the region. So is H3C literally a beta test that hasn't been done before? I mean, I know there's been uh, help, you know, affordable housing and healthcare in combination, but... It's uh, actually, two, we have two demonstration projects, H3C, who are partner, we have two partners there, Aetna is the insurer partner, and then we have the health clinic, which is Ascension DePaul. In uh, Jackson, United Healthcare is the insurer partner, and we have the uh, Medical Mall Foundation and the Jackson Hines Clinic, which will be on site. So two different, um, call it two different pilots, um, same public health experts involved, uh, two different insurers. Uh, both transactions are fit well certified, which means we are building to a certification to create a quote unquote healthier building. Um, both um, the Pearl, which is in Jackson, and one of the two residential transactions at H3C are targeted to seniors. 
So we'll have a senior health component versus uh, H3C also includes a workforce building. So we'll be able to kind of slice and dice data uh, in different ways. So t tell me about just other details about H3C. What's the timeline? Yeah, we closed right before Christmas. If you have driven down the boulevard, you'll see that it is under construction and it's supposed to be finished next summer. Um, fingers crossed, you know, timelines change. Um, particularly with our weather events, right? <laughs> then right. Uh, in Jackson at the Pearl, we just closed that um, Friday. So and it is now, uh, we're just waiting for the notice to proceed and that'll be under construction as well. So hopefully a year to a year and a half from now, we will be seeing both the benefits of people living in these buildings as well as begin to get, actually quantify the health outcomes. And can you just give me a little uh, detail on the partners involved, the stakeholders involved in H3C here? You have mentioned Alembic, you know, and they're our joint venture partner. We uh, purchased the land together. <clears throat> we have Bell Reeve, which is the shelter resources. They are the local nonprofit who's partnering with us on um, the seniors building. The seniors building is age restricted. Uh, those 55 years and older can live there. Um, we've certainly had the city of New Orleans has been a big partner for us and are impactful and they're also committing financially. The um, state, Office of Community Development, Louisiana Housing Corp, Aetna, um, who else would I mention? Wells Fargo and Enterprise, uh, we won a national competition um, and through that competition, which was all about housing affordability breakthrough challenge and ours was this health and housing model. Uh, through that effort, we won the money to be able to contract for the technical expertise, the attorneys and the public health experts to be able to quantify the information. So we have a huge, you know, we're, we're off to the races and um, Ascension DePaul, I hope I mentioned them, they are the, under Michael Griffin's leadership. Um, they'll put a health clinic there. We're pretty excited about that. Why is affordable housing so important right now and why is there a lack of it? Well, um, affordable housing is all, always important. And I always just say it's a relative thing, right? <laughs> some people can afford more, some people can afford less, right? And so many of the communities we work in, um, and let's be real folks, you know, if people don't make a lot of money, okay? And so they, it doesn't mean that they have to live in squalor. And so affordable housing is important. We should be able to develop and provide quality affordable housing, period. Okay, it's hard to do because it costs, it costs what it costs to build. I don't care whether you're building affordable housing or not affordable housing. The bricks cost the same. Okay, you can get certainly get fancier bricks, but a basic brick costs what a brick costs. So by the time you get the buildings up, um, well, before you get the buildings up, I'll put it to you this way. With pencil on paper, you figure out what it's going to cost to build the venture. And, and because we're targeting folks, whether it's on the commercial side, okay, or the residential side, we're trying to put in some concessionary terms, that results in only so much money that the private markets, and that's called conventional debt, will support. And um, it's frankly that simple. If it costs Y and I can only borrow X from the bank, the rest of it has to come from somewhere else. And we just don't have the philanthropy or the state resources or the local resources, okay, to fund what is, you know, it's just a basic commodity, okay? And so, and therefore, in the markets we work in, we're relying on 
like I said, we compete for a share of federal dollars, as does every other for-profit or nonprofit development. Right. And you just said it, but let me just clarify. Is it harder to create affordable housing in a small market such as New Orleans versus, say, New York City, where there's more, more philanthropy? Well, the distinction is the predominant financial tool for creating affordable housing is the low-income housing tax credit. And it's, it is controversial because it does result because of the credit and the, the things that agencies try to incent through the awarding of a competitive credit, right? These, and because of the fees involved, the financial fees, the accountants, the lawyers, it, it, it results in an expensive transaction. The limited, the LITEX, uh, that is the acronym for a low-income housing tax credit. LITEX are awarded to a state by the federal government based upon population. So Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama with smaller populations are going to get a lesser annual credit award. And then you're dividing that up amongst north and south, east and west, urban, rural, um, many, many, many different um, priorities every state has. Texas, big population, they get lots more credits, but there are a lot more competitors in Texas. There are a lot more people in Texas. So long story short, it's a valuable com commodity, the light tech credit, but it's very limited. It's not an unlimited federal resource. There is another type of credit that is less uh, lucrative, but it then results in a bigger gap. And so again, we struggle to fill that gap, even though we are able to secure what is called a 4% credit. Um, so it is a forever challenge. And either we're always advocating for, for example, states to create state low-income housing tax credit programs, or for the feds to increase the per capita allocation. So you know, there's lots of advocacy going on but I would not say it has resulted in a plethora of affordable housing. Right. And then my last question for you, Kathy Laborde, you've obviously dedicated a lot of time and energy to these projects. What has led you to be so interested in and to want to invest in New Orleans and the Gulf Coast? That's a good question. I think, um, frankly, when I first came to New Orleans and just walked around the neighborhoods, it was pretty clear to me that we could do better than what I saw. It's that simple. My children live here. My grandchildren live here, and I'd like them to have a future here, as well as everybody I see walking up and down the boulevard. So that's my motivation. I love it. Succinct and to the point. Uh, well, Kathy Labor from Gulf Coast Housing Partnership, uh, congratulations on the new project, and thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you very much, Rich. I really appreciate it. We all do at GCHP. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.